We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Ball loose. Stevenson for three. Give me one, Lance. Stevenson ties it with 1.6. Duarte, he knows where the clock is, lets it fly and hits again. Halliburton at the buzzer. Captain Kush with another one. Brogdon goes inside and Turner finishes. Halliburton leaves it off for Batase. Go, go. Good job. Oh, what a move by Heald. He lays it in. Heald. Hotter than fish grease. Drops it off to Jalen Smith with the poster. Jackson the catch. Jackson the basket. Washington again. Five of them. Pacers got the steal. Outrunning is Brissette. Pounds it home. It to Taylor. Taylor missed it. Tips it in. Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human! Halliburton gonna slam it at the other end. This is Tyrese Halliburton. Go Pacers. Happy Saturday, everybody. Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden, and today I'm going to be talking about the Pacers' 129-125 loss in overtime to the Oklahoma City Thunder. How does this impact the Indiana Pacers? Is it a good loss? Is it a bad loss? Is it a good situation? We're going to talk about it and talk about the things we saw. Then Fachi's going to be coming on for five with Fachi to give five questions for the Indiana Pacers for the rest of the season. And then we've got our fans of the week. But before we get into this breakdown, I want to let everybody know that we are still doing the contest for our ratings and reviews. We decided we're going to give away all three of our prizes at the end of the season. So, if you haven't already and you'd like to enter in to get a chance at a free jersey, a setting the pace hoodie, or a Jermaine O'Neal autographed basketball card, go over to Apple or Spotify, leave us a five-star rating and review, take a screenshot, send it over to my email at AlexGoldenNBA, and you will be entered into win. I'm going to save all of those emails in a separate file, and then we're going to go back at the end of the season and randomly select some winners. So hope you guys go ahead and do that. But let's get into this game, the Indiana Pacers. Oh, so close. Down by three, Buddy Heald misses a three. O'Shea Brissett gets the offensive rebound. Lance Stevenson in the corner, hits a three right in front of the OKC bench, and then he shimmies for seven seconds after the ball, splashes through the net. The Pacers tie the game. OKC unable to score at the end of regulation, and then overtime happened. 
overtime was so sad. It was a very, very sad moment. The Pacers scored two points, two points in five minutes. All the shots were short. They were a one for 10. They were one for 10 in overtime. It was just like, oh, man, this team played so well. They fought back after giving up uh, an early lead. They come back and tied this game up. Shea Gill, just like I said, was unbelievable. 36 points in this game. Pacers are doing everything they can, except it just wasn't good enough. But that's not a bad thing because OKC now has the same amount of losses as the Indiana Pacers. So we have one more win than them, but they're 19 and 41. We are 20 and 41. So in terms of trying to get a higher chance at getting a top pick in the draft, the Pacers are now just a half game behind OKC in terms of overall record. So this is very good news in terms of team tank, but let's look at the on-court product that we saw. Some of my biggest takeaways from this game, we got off to a hot start. Buddy Hield's knocking down shots. Malcolm Brogdon's knocking down shots. Tyrese Halliburton's running the point. We got everything set up. We got Isaiah Jackson starting over Gogo Batadze. O'Shea Brissett's out there starting. Man, this is like the dream lineup that we, we probably wanted to see with this group. Uh, Sands, you know, Turner and, and, and Warren being healthy. So this is like, okay, cool. We're, we're finally getting to see what this group looks like together. And they started off really hot. Um, looking at the plus minuses, Isaiah Jackson was plus 12 in just 23 minutes. Let's just go down his, these stats real quick. 17 points, six rebounds, five blocks, and seven attempts from the free throw line. That is big for Isaiah Jackson. You know why? He's knocking down 70% of his free throws in number one, but he got to the foul line five different times to knock to have a chance at 10 free throws. So that is huge from him. He was five of seven from the field, super effective, um, and only 0 of one from three. So he wasn't really hanging out at the three-point line um, too, too much. I think Buddy Heald led the team in points. Yes, 29 points for Buddy Heald, seven rebounds, five assists, one steal, one block. Okay, I joked about it on Twitter. There's a fan next to me that said, don't take Buddy Hewitt out of the game. He's the Pacers' best player. Last night, offensively, he totally was. But defensively, come on now. We have to really look at this Pacers team from both sides of the floor. Defensively, this Pacers team was not very good. They gave up 40 points in the second quarter after getting off to a 10-0 start. It was just one of those games where you're like, okay, the Pacers just have to figure out a way to lock down on defense, and they just have struggled with that. So um, while the offense has been clicking for the Pacers, the defense is something they really have to improve upon this season. I will say, off the bench, Jalen Smith, 6 of 10, looked great again. He played 29 minutes, the most of any of the bigs on this Pacers team. Terry Taylor, 19 minutes. Once again, he just does the dirty work. He's always in the right spot, doesn't force things. 19 minutes, 2 of 3 from the field, 3 of 5 from free throw line. Seven points, one steal, only four rebounds. Pretty low number for Terry Taylor in terms of rebounding, but, you know, um, it's uh, it's all right. Lance Stevenson, he had 14 points, and before overtime, he was 6-9 and nine from the field, but he went 0-5 in overtime, feeling himself a little bit after the seven-second shimmy and the game-tying three, but, you know, um, just Lance. Uh, they try to give him a chance to be the hero in overtime, and it didn't work. But other than that, I, I think that the biggest question mark here is why Gugabatadze only played one minute, okay? We might not think Goga Batadze is a part of this long-term future, but the fact that Jalen Smith is a re unrestricted free agent, you have Batadze on contract for next year, and Jalen Smith, you can only sign him to a $4.7 million contract unless he's given you a verbal agreement that he's going to resign if you play him a lot of minutes. 
then it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to give him a significant amount of minutes over Goga Batadze. So, you know, got to wonder what they're going to do with Goga and how they're going to handle that the rest of the season. I'm looking forward to seeing how many minutes he gets going forward. But yeah, just one minute. And it was just uh, like pretty much like, hey, go in there and get a rebound on a free throw. And if you don't, we'll pull you out. Like just kind of feel bad for Goga because he really has never gotten the chance with Sabonis and Turner being healthy. And then now that everyone's hurt or traded, he still can't see the floor. So I think this is kind of telling of maybe how Carlisle views Goga Batadze. But let's get into the big stuff here. Malcolm Brogdon, Tyrese Halliburton. The dynamic duo here in the backcourt, everybody's like, why is Brogdon starting a point guard? Why is he listed first? Blah, blah, blah. Look, most of the game, the ball was in Halliburton's hands and Brogdon was playing off ball. So I thought Brogdon looked pretty well, 6 of 14 from the field. You know, not the greatest shooting night, but could be a little bit more efficient. But hey, he's coming back from a a long time off, a couple weeks, all-star break. You know, it's going to be a little rusty. Three of eight from three, four rebounds, four assists. Um, I thought he looked better playing next to Halliburton than running the solo, uh, than running the second unit by himself, um, playing next to Lance. I just think that Halliburton is a much more efficient player than Lance. So just easier for Brogdon to kind of be more efficient in a sense. And so Halliburton, obviously um, a really solid game from him, not a great game. He was only, only 14 points, but he only shot 10 times, six of 10 from the field, um, one of three from three, five rebounds. He had a, he had, Two steals, one block, 11 assists. We always know that he does that, but four turnovers. So, you know, I thought Tyrese played a good, not great game. It wasn't one of his better games that he's had here since joining the Pacers. He's had a long week, though, going to the All-Star weekend and then having to move everything from Sacramento to Indiana during that time. You have to wonder how much downtime he really got. So um, hoping that he bounces back from this, but still a good game, still an efficient game. Just some questionable decisions, and I want to bring one of them up, and that was late in the game. It was 121 to 120. The Pacers had just made a three. They had a defensive stop. Halliburton had the ball on the right wing, and in the right corner was Isaiah Jackson. It was kind of like an isolation situation here for Halliburton, and instead of attacking the rim, he kicked it out to Isaiah Jackson. Isaiah Jackson caught it, took one step back to, like, go forward in just in that normal direction. And when he put his heel down, it touched the line. He was out of bounds. And so you were thinking to yourself, you know, okay, you know, I'm okay with Halliburton being a willing passer, but there's got to be times when he turns off that willing passer mindset and gets into the O'Shea Brissett mindset of I'm going to attack the rim and be ferocious. So, you know, I'm not saying he had to go all the way into the rim and try to dunk on somebody, but I do like the fact um, that O'Shea is willing to be aggressive and, and look for a shot where Halliburton sometimes can be more passive. And I think he's got to be selfish. He's just got to embrace that. If he's going to be the face of the franchise, he's going to be the best player on this team. He's got to find a way to be more active with looking for a shot. So honestly, I was not mad at him for not doing it, but just if we're going to be anywhere, you got to be critical somewhat of him. I think this is a good point to bring out. Um, other than that, I, I was not too disappointed with him. Just thought the defense overall from the entire team was not good. So Obviously, some areas to improve there. And then lastly, I did notice this quite a bit. Sometimes the offense could get a little bit stagnant, um, depending on who is on the floor. And not having a legitimate player to run a pick and roll or a pick and pop will hurt. Um, You guys have heard me talk endlessly about the great screen setting of Demonte Sabonis, which is a really good thing. But even with this group out here, Isaiah Jackson, uh, Jalen Smith, 
uh, Terry Taylor. I think Goga probably out of the guys that played tonight is the best screen setter for this team. Uh, pick and roll, pick and pop type of player for them. But um, when Miles Turner comes back, look, Miles Turner is not on the level of screen uh, screening as Demontis Sabonis, but but Turner will probably be the best screen setter on this team and what he can put pressure on the uh, the opposing defense because we know he's a good three-point shooter. Um, he, he's, at least, he's at least a threat out there, and teams have to respect that. If he's able to roll some, he's not afraid to do that either. So I just think at times it would be nice to have a little bit more of a dynamic pick-and-pop, pick-and-roll partner. But other than that, I thought this was a really fun game. Good opportunity for the Pacers to get a win at home, but at the same time they improved their lottery odds, and I think bigger picture – it's, it's a good win for the Pacers uh, to, to lose this game. So, OKC, I, I was just impressed with Trey Mann. I've really enjoyed watching highlights of him last year as I was getting myself ready for potential prospects. And I think at one point I had Trey Mann in my top five at 13. So it was really cool to see him play well. Eight of 17 from the floor, three of six from three. He had 22 points. Um, Shea, Shea Gilgis Alexander, like I said, 36 points, uh, seven uh, A rebounds, excuse me and three steals, as well as five assists. He was just on fire. Um, but really, I just thought the overall team from OKC played pretty well. They played pretty aggressive, and they were lengthy. So they did cause a little bit of problems here for the Pacers. But overall, um, you like the steps that you're seeing in some of these guys, especially the guys like Isaiah Jackson, O'Shea said, and Jalen Smith. Um, really, really would love to keep Jalen Smith long-term, long but just feels like it's going to be impossible with how effective he's been playing. Um, I've gotten multiple texts saying, I love goggles. I think Jalen Smith is awesome. I wish we could keep him, you know, so a lot of people are intrigued by Jalen Smith and I understand why he's looked really good in the minutes he's played. So um, with that being said, really fun game. We'll be back on Sunday night, Monday, whenever to release the mailbag podcast. But now we're going to turn it over to five with Fachi right after this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, everybody, welcome back to Five with Fashi. I have five questions that we need answers to in the remaining 22 games of the Pacers season. Yes, I am recording this before the game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And here's the five questions that I have that we need answers for before the season runs out. Number one. How will Malcolm Brogdon and Tyrese Halliburton coexist? Brogdon claimed after receiving his contract extension that all he cares about is winning. Well, now's the time to see it because if he doesn't really care about his statistics or maybe being the primary ball handler, 
then it seems that this pairing could coexist together. However, if he's no longer viewed as the point guard of the, the, the team, then at this point, we might have some problems and potentially need to move on. Question number two, can Malcolm Brogdon be as effective off the ball as we hoped he could be? Look, we saw Brogdon be a 50-40-90 guy in Milwaukee when he wasn't necessarily, you know, the, pro- the primary ball handler. However, since then, you know, Brogdon's shooting numbers have taken a big hit with him being the primary ball handler for the Pacers. We know that he is a good shooter, but he's also a far better shooter when someone's setting him up as opposed to him creating his own shot off the dribble. The Pacers tend to play at a much slower pace when Brogdon has the ball in his hands compared to the four-game sample size that we saw recently with Tyrese Halliburton. So I am very curious to see how Brogdon looks, maybe not having the ball in his hands as much, but also playing more of a two-guard role. Question number three, will we get to see Miles Turner return this year and a real sample size of him as the main big in a lineup with an increased role? Turner has only been the sole big without Sabonis in the lineup once this year. Uh, It was against the Houston Rockets. Looked really good, but the Rockets' defense, not something that they're known for. More of an atrocious defense. So it was recently announced that Turner is still a few weeks away from returning. With roughly six weeks left in the season, or 22 games remaining, does it even make sense to rush Turner back? With an offseason looming where Miles is going into a contract year, the last thing we want on our hands is a TJ Warren situation. Question number four, with a healthy Isaiah Jackson now back in the lineup, which big draws the short end of the stick down the stretch? Um, We're going to have Isaiah, Goga, Jalen Smith, and even Terry Taylor to work with over there that the Pacers need to get reps in. That doesn't even include Miles Turner should he return. So in the final 22 games, is this the final 22 games that we see of Goga or Jalen Smith, both for opposite reasons. One, we might not be able to afford Jalen Smith, but two, it might just be time to move on from Goga. So curious to see where the Pacers, you know, spend their time in terms of developing these bigs because it's there's just not enough minutes to go around for the four bigs that I mentioned. I know calling Terry Taylor a big at 6'5", yeah, it could be a little bit of a stretch, but we know he plays far bigger than his size. Last question, question number five, what do the Pacers do with the last remaining roster spot? If you guys remember, the Pacers bought out or waived, however you want to, you know, whatever you want to call it, waived Tristan Thompson before they went to the All-Star break. That creates an open roster spot, which the Pacers have not filled. I have been a major advocate for using that roster spot to convert Terry Taylor's two-way contract into a full-time roster spot. I think this would be phenomenal value, a contract, a cheap contract, similar to the likes that we saw of Edmund Sumner or Shaber set, where you could be paying them, you know, $1.7 million per year with the team option over there. I think that would be a great opportunity to get ahead on a guy like Terry Taylor, who is blossoming in front of our eyes. Do they use, you know, that roster spot to pull from the G League, free agents, or a little bit of a wild card? Do you potentially look to get ahead and sign Edmund Sumner for the rest of the year, knowing that he's not going to play, where you can also have a cheap team option moving forward. He has been working out in Indiana. Just something, you know, it's a little fun, something to think about. But those are the five questions that I have for the remaining 22 games of the season. Guys, I hope you enjoyed Five with Fachi because we're coming right back at you next week. Let's go Pacers. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. 
And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. All right, everybody. Now we have on our fans of the week here for setting the pace. We've got two for you today. Husband and wife team here between Chuck and Jamie. Thank you guys so much for coming on. How are you guys doing today? We're good. doing good. Thank you for having us. Yeah, absolutely. So let's just get right into it. I'll start with you first, Jamie, and then Chuck, you can follow. Um, how did you all become Pacer fans? And what do you guys like so much about this team? So our story is kind of joint, actually. We have always been NBA fans. We were actually kind of Jordan fans, like, growing up. And when we were younger, my parents bought me Jordan or Bulls tickets on Christmas. was, like, my best Christmas present ever, things like that. Um, and he was actually a Celtics fan for a, a little bit. And um, when we were dating, a friend of ours gave us uh, his season tickets just for one game. And we went – and it was during the time when Granger was good and – Paul George and Stevenson were good and uh, we just kind of fell in love with the environment and the team and it was like you know Lance was you know doing his dancing after crazy plays and Paul George was being crazy athletic Paul George doing acrobatic fun stuff and um, Dan and Granger was hitting threes from crazy range and so um, that was kind of the beginning of it and after that we kind of like trickled in slowly started following we always followed but kind of became more and more enamored with the team. And now we're just massive Pacers fans. Our daughter, uh, when she was like, what, a year and a half in the car, um, we taught her to say boom, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I was actually a high school basketball coach for <clears throat> quite a long time, 18 or about 18 years. And in going to a lot of coaching clinics, I was, I became a really big fan of Doc Rivers, just seeing him speak. And that's why I was really like the Celtics and Garnett because I liked Rivers so much. And Jamie actually got me tickets to see the Celtics uh, in Banker's Life. And that just became, I loved going to the game so much. And we just became Pacers fans as a result of that. That's amazing. I mean, first off, I love having our first Pacer couple on the show. I mean, <laughs> I have absolutely converted my fiance into a Pacer fan. She she started That's as a awesome. Knicks fan, but you know, if you're hanging out with me enough, you're going to become a Pacer <laughs> fan. So, exactly. also nearly brought a tear to my eye hearing about the Danny Granger days. I mean, just fond memories for all of us. Is there a specific game that maybe sticks out between the two of you that maybe is like your favorite game that you watched together? For me, I, I can tell you, man, we were actually at it. We were at the uh, Bogdanovich game in the playoffs versus the Cavs, and the place was just electric in there. It was so loud. It was just such an awesome game to be at. For me, that one really sticks out. I would say for me it was the Paul George return game um, when he came back from the injury. Hmm. That was a pretty special one. 
not so good memory now, but yeah, <laughs> at the time well. it was fun and Lance with the antics and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lance Lance is always fun to talk about. So obviously, I think a lot of Pacer fans have a soft spot for Lance just because of what he means to this franchise. But in terms of your favorite players, uh, who do you, who is both of your favorite Pacer players? Oh, right now with all the overturn, I'm going to go with, uh, I think O'Shea Brissett maybe at the moment, but Tyrese Halliburton is quickly climbing the ladder for me. What about you? I I also would agree on Brissett. I just love the energy he brings and the fact that he's been a little under the radar. And I think he's just such a big part of the future. He's fun to watch. Uh, I would say Brissett right now. You know, I was a I, huge I, fan of Sumner, and he has some Sumner shades of Sumner hmm. to him, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, first, we all miss Edmund Sumner, and we, we hope that maybe he can yes. return as a pacer uh, now that he's getting healthy. But okay. also, O'Shea, I mean, someone who I feel like, you know, maybe I wasn't expecting you guys to say that, and I love that because he is underrated. He has slept on a bit. Um, This year, it's been tough. And look, we all have a lot of stuff going on in life. I know both of you have some kids, so this season could be extra dragging. It's been tough. How have you been able to get through this season and really kind of hold your head high? This season has been brutal, but I tell you, probably like most Pacers fans, at when all the trades happened and the direction of the team changed, we kind of have got new life and been a little invigorated. So we're really excited for the last 22 games. Like a lot of people, I don't want to see a ton of wins in those 22 games, but it's been a lot of fun to watch and just watching – how the, the direction the team's going. I'm excited to see that. Yeah, it was, we actually record all of the games and then watch them after our kids are in bed. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, I like that. <laughs> so we've stuck it out and we've watched every game, but it's been pretty painful at times. Yeah. <laughs> so this is like a, a new awakening. While we're on the subject, I wondered, I know you guys are big Sabonis, we're big Sabonis guys, mm-hmm. probably still are. Who's your favorite player now? Um, I would say on the team right now, I mean, I, I got to go all in on Halliburton. We've been yeah. waiting for a franchise point guard forever. Yeah. Like, this is someone I feel like we could finally sink our teeth in to be like, he's going to be here for years. Everything can change with this guy right here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I agree. I think it's easy to gravitate towards Halliburton just because of the future. I think like sentimental reason wise, I'd probably say like Lance, just because of all the like memories that we've had with Lance. For I sure. think there's just more history sure. there. Um, you know, and I and I do like I do like uh, O'Shea Brissett as well, and I'm and I'm intrigued by Isaiah Jackson, uh, what he can become as well, and then Christy Duarte, of course. I mean, I was not like in love with the draft pick when we got him. I, I'm sure you guys know about that. We did that. <laughs> yeah, we were we were Moody fans too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think a lot of fans were in Indiana. They wanted Moses Moody. It's just a young guy with that length. I mean, that wingspan. It just it just seemed like it was too good to be true. But uh, I want to ask you guys in terms of the draft, this upcoming draft, um, who are you guys fans of for this one? Because right now the paces are currently in the fifth spot. We'll see what happens with the lottery. They could move up, could move down. But if you could have like one dream scenario here of what player, uh, what prospect, who would that be? I'm a Purdue grad, so okay, there we um, go. I'm a little biased. <laughs> Um, I'm team Jaden Ivy all the way. I think, I actually think like a lot of people think that, that the fit is weird with him and Halliburton because they see Ivy as a point guard. I actually feel like he's not, I think he's an off ball guard or a wing and he's actually really strong and has a lot of length and his athleticism and his speed is, he's just so dynamic and so fun to watch. And I actually think the fit would be really, really good. 
my my biggest concern with the draft is I feel like we were so lucky to get Halliburton, and now we the only way we're going to get that other star that I think we have to have like we'll be able to get that third best player, you know. But getting that star to go with Halliburton is only going to happen this year, and it's in the draft. And whatever we have to do to get a swing at what I would consider one of those top four guys that I think at least have a chance, I would love it to be Jabari Smith. Uh, and then I think that that Ivy, those two to me could be a star. But even if you don't get those two, Pacers fans would hate the idea, I think, of, of Holmgren uh, for, for whatever reason. But he has a chance to be a star. Maybe Bonchero has a chance to be a star. But if we're going to get a star to go with Halliburton, this is our chance, and we have to get one of those top four guys. I completely agree. I mean, being in the top four, being able to pick any of those guys, we're in a great spot. So it's a spot the Patriots haven't been in over 30 years. So I think that, you know, things are – they're looking up for us. But what would you say you're most looking to see for the rest of the year, whether it's player growth, a player fit? Is there something for the last 22 games, this is what I'm looking for? I really want to see uh, how Isaiah Jackson and Miles Turner fit together. I think that that is really important going forward to see which direction they want to go at the center position. So that would probably be my biggest thing. I'm, I'm like you, like you guys just excited about Isaiah Jackson and everything he brings. I agree on just seeing Jackson play. I'm not totally out on Brogdon sticking around either. If, if, if trading him means not getting a huge return, uh, I would be okay with him sticking around. It just depends on what they can get for him. <clears throat> so if he's going to play, which I would be okay with him shelving him for the rest of the year too, but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. So if he's going to play, how does he fit? Because I'm not totally out on him sticking around if we just have to give him away. Yeah, I think are that's you, an – well, go ahead. Go ahead, Jamie. I was going to ask, what are you guys' thoughts on keeping Brogdon versus selling? Fachi, go ahead, and I'll, uh, I'll answer it after. <laughs> I'm ready to roll out the red carpet for Halliburton. Let him be the guy. Just let him do his thing. And we have a nice younger core over here. And I think Brogdon, look, while he's not by any means old, he's not as young as the rest of the group that we know is going to be here or that we hope it is. So I think at this point, let how plus if we're looking at maybe drafting a guy like Jay Ivey, there's only oh so many guards that can be active. And I think that Brogdon is the one that could fit more you know, more playoff teams. There's a more of a need over there. I want to roll with the youth. Yeah, I would say if they draft Jaden Ivey, Brogdon's got a one-way ticket. Then he's so, got to go. Yeah. What if they if, draft Jabari Smith? Then I think it's more realistic that he stays around. I think that there's more of a 50-50 chance yeah. with that. I, I think really it just comes down, will Brogdon accept the role of playing off ball? He would but, have to do that. And if he's behind the scenes says that he won't do that, then he's just got to go. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, and we, we talk about it in our, in, um, in our previous show that we're going to release on Thursday night. So, you know, that we talked about that. It's just one of those things where it's just like, you know, what, what exactly uh, is Brogdon and how does he really fit? Because there's so much, I feel like just misinterpretations of who he is as a person and a player off the court, but um, to wrap up the show, We've not done this. I know you guys said that your kids listen in the car and say, boom, baby. Are your kids around? Because I think it'd be perfect to have them give us a boom, baby sound off here uh, as we sign off on the show. They are. Well, he'll grab. You want me All to right. Grab them? <laughs> this this is just a family movie. affair. This is a family <laughs> affair. So I figure we might as Absolutely well. Absolutely love it. End it, the, end it the only way we can 
with your uh, with your kids joining us. Yeah. So we want you guys to say something on the on the meaning, okay? Can you say boom baby? Boom baby. All right, all together, ready? One, two, three. Boom, <laughs> you say boom baby. Boom, baby. <laughs> Love it. Great job. But yeah, seriously, thank you all so much. And uh, yeah, thank fun. you so much too. It was it's been fun. Yeah, Love your guys' good. passion. Awesome stuff there from our fans of the week, Chuck and Jamie, a husband and wife team. Super cool to meet them and chat with them, and then to have a special treat by bringing their kiddos on and getting to meet them as well. So just a really cool moment. Their kiddos were so surprised. They're like, "Who are these guys that we're talking to on the Zoom conference call?" But Really cool stuff there. I want to thank them so much and appreciate them for being listeners of the show. So with that being said, the Pacers have four games before we talk again next Saturday to recap the week. They're playing the Boston Celtics home at 5 o'clock on Sunday. That'll be their last home game before they go on a road trip. On Monday, they play the Orlando Magic, and they're going to stay right there, possibly get a little trip to Disney World on Tuesday because Wednesday they play the Magic again. So maybe the Pacers – We'll get a day off with no practice and maybe they can relax and get over there into Disney World and just hang out or just go somewhere in Florida and hang out. It's a beautiful place to be. Um, and then on Friday, they play the Pistons. So really interesting here for the Pacers because they play three of uh, three games against the two teams below them. So could be really interesting in terms of trying to get a better draft pick or just get a worse record and raise the odds of those teams records up. And so we know Orlando already beat the Pacers. In um, in Indianapolis, Detroit's already beaten the Pacers in Detroit. So, like I said, you know, this is a game the Pacers should possibly win, but they could probably lose too. So keep your eyes out, out for that. But um, with that being said, only 21 games left in the regular season. So just enjoy them because we know once the season ends in April, we won't see this team playing preseason basketball probably till the beginning of October. So it's going to be a long time before we get to see this team again. But Plenty of off-season content with the draft coming up, free agency, potential trades, roster moves. You know how this goes. It's nonstop with the NBA. But in terms of the Pacers, on-court action, you won't probably see it for a while. So just enjoy these 21 games and, and, and don't wish it away so fast. But follow us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. I'm at Alex Golden NBA. Michael J. Fauci is over on Twitter at F-A-C-C-I. But make sure you put that underscore in front of the F. I always forget that. So at underscore F-A-C-C-I. Follow us on Facebook at Setting the Pace and our group page. Join us. We love having conversations there. We're also on TikTok. We have to do a better job about our TikTok content. But if you know a way to help us grow on TikTok, let us know. But um, we're on TikTok as well. If you ever want to check us out there on at Setting the Pace on TikTok. With that being said, thank you all so much for listening. And we hope you all have a great rest of your weekend. We'll be back with Mailbag Podcast either Sunday night or Monday morning. So stay tuned for that. We will talk to you all later. Peace out, Pace Nation. Oh, baby.